Hi, I'm James Rabaniak, and thanks for watching Venture Brothers, and enjoy listening to Hench Live Pirate Radio, anywhere you find your podcasts. Have a scientastic day! Are you stealing shingles again? No, I got a pirate radio set at the swap meet, so I will bring to this neighborhood a non-stop talk alternative. A constant barrage of eye-opening conspiracies and ad-libbed innuendo. Too bad there's only 24 hours in a day. Or is there? Who's in the box? Were either of you guys uncertain about anything just now? Oh, yeah. Oh, what's in the box? What's in the box, Rodinger? Um, a cat? We're entirely hypothetical. There's also a lot of drugs in there. The three of us are lost in a timeless oblivion. The cat is alive or dead? Alive or dead? What's in the fucking box? I am so excited today. Because today we get answers to questions we didn't know we had and questions to the questions that we thought were going to be answered with the questions that we'd had from previously. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this is the inception of this episode, meaning it is the beginning. We are incepting this episode. We have begun. It is begun. So let it be done. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> All I can think about is belt. Remember <laughs> belt from the crudes? Yes. Uh, dun, dun, dun. Uh, it was probably my favorite part of that whole movie. Well, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone who doesn't fit that category description, perhaps any pregnant horses out there, I am Dr. Savage Poppenheimer. Lo, I am become depth destroyer of continuity. I am joined by our resident Spocktologist, Spockter Beast McCoy, a longtime companda and a man for whom some have said her suit is not an adequate enough description. Well, what's weird is I have hair everywhere except on the top of my head. Like, uh, <laughs> I'll have you know that's called peach fuzz. I'm proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, puberty is going to be rough. Well, <laughs> it's kind of a spiritual puberty beast. <laughs> I'm writing that down. <laughs> Go on. Spiritual puberty. I feel like the hallmarks of spiritual puberty are that everything is unfair and you want to argue about everything. And I feel like you are definitely there because how many times this week have you called to argue obscure like uh, Buddhist and Zen philosophy from 1200 years ago? Uh, I haven't. And I'm not arguing now. No, um, <laughs> no uh, don't get me that man. Don't. Mm. Fair <laughs> point is all I've got to say. <laughs> well, friends, welcome to United Fan Theory, where we take a deep dive and sometimes a shallow dive and sometimes a cannonball into the different facets of the properties that you love. Now, today we are covering episode four of the Loki series on Disney+. And this particular episode is called The Nexus Event. The Nexus Event. The Nexus Event. See, there was an event, and it all centered around this nexus. Or nexum, See. if it's plural. Ne 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 nexi. Right. 
and and this is a big big tie-in um, because this has uh, obviously been referenced in the the series before. But not only that, um, you know, this is uh, going all the way back to Wandavision. You know, she's a Nexus being. Like the TVA can't even f with her. I don't even know what that means in relationship to the TVA. You know what I mean? Uh, like what what her existence is in relativity to that. My, but uh, my guess, just complete fan theory, complete speculation, is that if any one of her is taken, they all get taken. That's just my guess. Like if something happens, like her role in all of them is consistent the whole way through. There are no variances from her. So if something happens to her in any, like if she were removed from one, it would essentially remove her from all of them. Uh, That's okay. my guess. Interesting. There okay. are no variants. It's like, what, you know what it is? She is Gandalf in that she always arrives when she means to. She is never late. There are no variances for her because she's always exactly when she meant to be there. I mean, maybe it's a Phoenix thing. Like uh, her adventures with the Avengers is finally kind of what, you know, kicked off her, her you know, uh, presence as a, as a Nexus being, which kind of finally hit fully elevated status, right? I don't um, know. I got I, my initial thought on Nexus beings is that they are independent of who they associate with. Like a Nexus, like, so for instance, is she the scar? Is she the Nexus being, or is the Scarlet Witch the Nexus being? Like, was she not a Nexus being until she became the Scarlet Witch? Well, and that's kind of the whole thing. Like, uh, again, they do it a lot with Phoenix. Like, was was Jean Grey always marked to be the Phoenix? Is this a, a predestined thing? You know, is it a, a chicken or the egg thing, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and that's kind of how I, 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 as it's unfolded, that's how I'm kind of seeing it as. Uh, so Avengers uh, happened and you see that, you know, they retconned where she had power. So maybe she was earmarked by fate from the beginning, but we're about to head into the multiverse of madness and she can literally rewrite reality so maybe she's one of the few people who can kind of come in and wrangle the Nexies and Nexus. Oh, hang on, check this out. What if a Nexus being is someone for whom everything they do is inherently part of the sacred sacred timeline? Like, you know, we, we kind of talked about this earlier, someone for whom there is no variant, right? Which okay. Is essentially whatever they do, the timeline wraps itself around them to accommodate. Kind of like a, uh, like a turtle in the stream. Yeah. Like, kinda, like the water always goes around the shell. Yeah. yeah. Like I was thinking like, like exactly like, like a rock in the river, right? The timeline accommodates. Now the question here is, you know, how deep, pardon the pun, does this metaphor go? Is the rock in the like is it a floating rock <laughs> right See, that's why i said turtle yeah because like, the turtle can go with the stream the turtle can even get out of the stream yeah um you know the turtle is independent of the stream but is of the stream yeah see and i don't think that's a good metaphor we need an animal that is kind of like a rock like you know uh, uh, just what's an animal you... that has like a rock maybe some type of like hard shell on the outside of it like it can kind of pull itself into 
Um, armadillos. <laughs> like, That's what we're looking for. It, as soon as you said that, in my head, I immediately started singing Kenny Loggins' Armadillos in the Stream. <laughs> <laughs> armadillos in the stream. That is what we are. Drowning in the flood. <laughs> rolling um, near and far. Not to not to, to speculate, but apparently, um, you know, uh, her being a nexus being is like the counter opposite of whatever whatever the, the chemistry is going on between the two Lokis. Um, so I am thrilled that you brought this up. I think that it is time for us to do a quick dive into this episode. Uh, you have given me a challenge, sir. And that challenge was to completely recap this entire episode in five minutes. And yes. So allow me to go ahead and begin with the episode recap. Ladies and gentlemen, we get started by watching a young Loki, Lady Loki, Sylvie, getting, uh, she's playing with her toys and Valkyrie swoops in. She's on, uh, she's in front of the throne in Asgard and uh, I guess she's in her playroom in Asgard and uh, the timekeepers show up, snatch little Lady Loki, take her into the time door. They process her just like we saw get processed. And dude, it is depressing as fudge sickles. Like this little girl, so scared. So she doesn't understand. I got kids, man. It, it got me, right? It's like funny this, when it happens to a grown man, but not when it happens to like a, a kid. Dude, it, it like, it, it made me furious at the TVA, like straight up. Like how in the world are you going to torture this poor little girl, right? Exactly like this. Yeah, <laughs> right. And uh, of course, she gets taken by none other than Ravenna Renslayer to stand before the judge. The judge is not Ravenna, it's someone else. And Ravenna is the, uh, the TVA agent responsible for bringing her in. And Lady Loki, little kid Loki, stomps on Ravenna's feet, grabs her time pad, and manages to escape, right? Uh, that is where we begin, all right? So turns out Ravenna was the one who lost Lady Loki. That, I think, is a very crucial piece of information. We'll get to why that matters here very shortly. So we get to see uh, Loki and Sylvie watching the universe collapse around them. They are going to die. We actually see a huge chunk of the moon break off or the planet break off even more and collapse down. And there's this huge like Rogue One style death wave uh, approaching them. And uh, as this is happening, like Loki falls in love. Like he falls in love with Sylvie and it apparently is a love so powerful that it immediately starts setting off spikes in the TVA. Their love is the nexus event of the title and it is what alerts the TVA to their presence. Even in an apocalypse, their love is so powerful that it deviates from whatever is supposed to be happening. No, no, no. Well, even in an apocalypse, their narcissism is so powerful. <laughs> <laughs> right? So from there, they end up getting captured by the TVA. These time doors appear. That's how they escape. They, they fall at love. Love saves them. And by saves them, I mean gets them captured and killed. Right? So, uh, spoiler alert. <laughs> so, um, they are... <laughs> Taken in for questioning, uh, we finally get more interaction between Loki and uh, Mobius, right? Uh, which is just always, always so good to watch. But like Mobius is angry. He's bad. He's, you know, 
just not taking any of Loki's BS. And he's going to put Loki into this little time prison. And as Loki's being essentially thrown away without a key, uh, it's essentially softening up. It's torture. It's torture. Let's be honest. It's torture. They're torturing him. And so as he's throwing Loki into his uh, monkey torture, the Loki says, the TVA is lying to you. Well, we also see that this, uh, as Loki is being thrown in, he's being thrown in with Lady Sill. Or La and Lady Sill, she gets a little bit of a, a star turn here that is not a star turn. This poor woman cannot catch a break when it comes to being on screen. Uh, she does not get any awesomeness that I feel like she as an actress would deserve. So there's a scene where Loki has, uh, he's sitting out in a courtyard and he's cut Lady Sif's hair and she comes in and uh, is upset and then she slaps him and then knees him in the groin and then this happens over and over and over and over and over again and it's uh, imagine that moment in uh, Groundhog Day except really 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 condensed and that's your whole life for the next foreseeable future like and it's, it's actually, Dante's Inferno. well and this is actually based on a uh, an actual myth like this is based on one of the the, the myths uh, he, he cut Lady Sif's hair only in the thing he did the, the whole job so we also notice that uh, Hunter B-15 is starting to experience some uh, doubt. Remember, uh, and actually Mobius, uh, he goes to go chat with Renslayer and um, he asks about Hunter's, what is it, C-12? And he's like, oh yeah, we had to kill her. Sorry, she lost it. And Mobius is like, wait, what? She was fine. He's like, oh no, she got crazy. Like Mobius is starting to get really like, this is in the back of his head. He knows something is wrong. Loki hasn't quite put his finger on it, but it certainly scratched that itch. And when he's trying to get answers from Renslayer, as he's quote unquote, closing out the case with her, um, he asks to interview uh, the other Loki and gets denied. Now, Renslayer is being uh, evasive and he feels it. And he ends up stealing her data pad, right? Because, or, swapping out his with hers. We don't quite know what he's going to do with it yet, but we'll find out. So, as we kind of see Renslayer evade his questions, Wilson leaves. He goes to check out the temp pad to find out what happened to C-22. And he sees the last interview with C-22, right? And it's where she's sitting there saying, uh, you know, I had memories. It was real. And it lays bare the deeper truth that he's been feeling this whole time. So he decides he's going to go pull Loki out of his time prison and like, you know, hey, you can be anything you want to be, even a good guy. And right as they step out, Ravenna Renslayer is there with the time cops. And uh, she's like, hey, get, give me my temp pad back. He's like, sorry, I grabbed the wrong one by accident. And then she's like, kill him. So Mobius dies. They grab Loki. Now, meanwhile, Sylvie uh, is sitting there. And who shows up but B-15, who was also enchanted by her. So she takes her, goes back to the Roxcon apocalypse, right? Roxcon apocalypse, the uh, Alabama one, and says, show me. So Sylvie kind of enchants her a little bit and shows her the rest of her memories. And uh, at this point, things get legit because when Ravenna Renslayer gets back to check on Sylvie, she notices Sylvie's hair is wet. She says, who was here? The time cops tell her it was... Uh, it was B-15. So she grabs both Lokis, takes them down to go see the timekeepers. Ladies and gentlemen, the moment we've waited for is right here. They go through the elevator, they go in, check out the timekeepers, they're seated there on their thrones and they are about to be put out of everyone's misery. All right? And right when you think it can't get any worse, uh, yeah, it gets weirder, right? And 
finally, B-15 shows up. She throws Loki or uh, Sylvie her sword and Loki and Sylvie fight off these timekeepers in front of, or fight off the time cops in front of the timekeepers and uh, B-15. I don't remember exactly what happened to her, but I don't think that she stays alive very long. So, uh, and then we get this awesome fight between Rinslayer and Sylvie while Loki has to deal with uh, the remaining time cops. Well, Sylvie ends up incapacitating Rinslayer. Loki defeats his bad guys and Loki is confessing his love when Rinslayer comes up and kills Loki. Spoiler alert, Loki's dead. So at that moment, there's another big fight and Rinslayer gets knocked on her back and Sylvie leans in with the six stick and says, you're going to tell me everything. End episode. Was it under five minutes? No, even with my interruptions. Like I gave you a whole extra minute, but you were close. You were striving like a champ. Um, no, uh, and, and you did blaze over some things that I, I'm surprised you did. Uh, well, to keep it under five minutes. <laughs> right, right. No, uh, yeah, there, there was a lot to, to kind of go through there. Um, well, and first off, the post credit scene because we cannot cover Alligator Loki until we get a little bit later. Right. Well, no, um, that actually, uh, the, the big kind of twist not even going we won't even go to all that because goddamn that was glorious um no the first thing i asked myself was when they walked into the time chamber is why is this weapon two-headed like what happens like they're stabbing people but then what's the difference between like a stab and like disintegration like you know if that was really disintegrating person like wouldn't they go full on like star wars or that like two-headed you know, double, yeah. double headed. You know I, what I mean. I had the same thought. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, bam, he wakes up somewhere. You know, we're we're still not sure where. Um, so on. also, that makes me so happy about you know. You just spoiled the end credits, so let's go ahead and fully spoil it. Loki dies, and at the very end, after the credits, Loki wakes up, and he hears a voice saying, "Essentially, come with me if you want to live." <laughs> right. And it turns out it is four Lokis. There's four Black, Lokis. Heimdall. Yeah. Is that what is that an energy drink in, in Asgard? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's like Heimdall, Loki, Thor. He's got a hammer, essentially like the Loki version of Steel from the Superman Death. Right, Superman right. Uh, we get Kid Loki. We get old Loki in what is, I'm betting, a handmade costume. Right, it's oh, no, and uh, it, it's like the original like Loki costume from the comics that they could never do on screen. Um, so that's also a big, uh, you know, WandaVision shout out. Like the same way they were like they can never really do Scarlet Vision, Scarlet Witches, and Vision's outfit. They totally did. Yeah. You know, like the Luchador look, and then was it she said, uh, you know, Sokovian uh, Gypsy fortune teller. fortune teller. Yeah. Oh. Um. It was great. And we got Alligator Loki. Yeah. Like, I love that Kid Loki is holding Alligator Loki, and Alligator Loki has his little horned crown, too. <laughs> like, how do alligators make things? Like, did he just manifest it using illusion? Like, what, what is alligator magic? Like, how does that work? Uh, well, I mean, no, you're, you're forgetting the far broader implication. <laughs> Frog Thor. <laughs> 
<laughs> your dreams are coming true. Be. Here you are, like staring at the alligator shoes, and I'm like, no, you got to look at the sky, man. That's where the magic is. <laughs> so yeah, no, they they give you a lot there, and more importantly to me, uh, Mobius is alive somewhere. Like, dude, he went out like such a champ. Uh, like, he was like, where was I before? Like, you know, he kind of, he, he hits her with, like, he knows the, the whole ruse and all that. Um, and then he's like, I bet you I had a jet ski. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm sure you did, buddy. And then they hit him. Like, I, I thought it was going to go on for just a little longer. And they were like, tag, you're out. Yeah. Like, what? No. It was so abrupt. And honestly, when all that stuff was happening, I, I, I was just absolutely dumbfounded. I was like, holy smokes, has this been Sylvie's story the whole time? Like, is Loki, is this transition? Is this where this happens? Like, Loki is going to be no more. Like, it's all going to be Sylvie from here on in. Like, I really thought, you know, that we, we were getting an M. Night Shyamalan, like, twist here. Like, psych, it's not actually what you thought it was. Uh, well, I mean, on some level, we are. Um, but no, uh, yeah, that's one thing that we discussed is this whole, uh, the, the TV phase seems to be very much about transitions and handoffs and, and not in a bad way. Like I'm, I'm all about like, you know, throwing the mantle, like it's, it's ridiculous to, you know, not expand, you know, the, the mythos in any given, you know, comic book universe. Um, so on, on one hand, I think it still might be the handoff to Sylvie. And you understand that again, it's not like a mantle. But there is a thing that makes a Loki. You know what I mean? Like this is this isn't a mantle you can get handed like some some ruddy old frisbee shield, you know, or or a pair of like, you know, wings or a suit or some such. No, this is a this is a right. You have to be born into Lokiness. But you are whatever, you know, then then you're Loki. So I mean, I like the way that they're kind of approaching the the mantleism that way. Uh Copyright 2021. Let's uh let's chat about the big important implication here, which is that, and you alluded to it earlier, people who get six sticked, they get matrixed out, right? My initial theory with the six stick was they got kind of taken back to their original timeline. Like if the TVA, right, is essentially stealing these people, once they get hit, they essentially just get reinserted to the regular timelines for you somehow. Like they get stolen out of time and then put back in, right? That's what the whole variant thing is about. And then we find out that they're essentially being thrown into essentially the trash heap of history from which there is no escape. Like we don't know if this is a place that is like the TVA outside of time, therefore inaccessible by most people. Like essentially those six sticks open individual gateways on anything they touch, right? They open time doors that throw people into this other place. Or is it someplace in the regular universe that, you know, goes there? But the big thing here is all it takes is one temp pad getting in there to release everyone who has ever been deleted, every variant throughout history ever. Now, I wonder if it's only limited to... Uh... Like this is going to sound complicated, but this sounds sounds large. I think this is the, the the kind of large, complicated Marvel would sell. What if the place you get sent to is just a planet of you? That is awesome. 
Wow. <laughs> you you really, you like you. See, here's the thing is, I only like me at certain periods uh, of time in my life. I, I've seen the whole span of my life, and there's some parts of me I'm like, I don't want to deal with that guy. But I've then on the other guy. hand, I want to <laughs> see Panda Bear Beast. Like, I actually want to see... My longtime companda? Yeah, no, like the actual, like, you know... <laughs> uh, in that universe, you refer to me as some sort of human pun. What's up, homo? Right. Uh, that's not terribly progressive. Uh, uh, that's that's the literal word for human. No, you're assuming that I would have been homo sapien. Yeah, if, if you're a panda, and I'm, and my, I wouldn't say my longtime companda. I'd say my, my. FOMO, home. I don't. I don't know. Like, I. I assume we'd be speaking Latin. Yeah. No, you're being speciesist. I don't. (laughs) There's more than one kind of 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 upright stress ape. Thank you. Mea culpa. How about Neander Short? Oh. (laughs) That does sound like something you would say. (laughs) (laughs) Well. There is a lot that we get to say about this episode. And oh, the uh, timekeepers. Not yeah. only was Loki right about like everything to a weird, not specificity, like it was like it's all a lie, and then holy shit, it's all a lie. Yeah, turns out the timekeepers aren't real; they're robots. So I think this is definitely an Oz thing. It ends in the room. Somewhere there's a curtain by which there's a person behind that curtain. I speculated that Renslayer was the bad guy. The question is whether or not she was the big bad. And my initial thought is that she is not the big bad because did you see the breath that she took before she went into the elevator, talked to the timekeepers toward the beginning of the episode? She looked nervous. She was all alone. She wasn't performing for anyone. I mm-hmm. say that like it wasn't an actress in front of a camera. But like she that there is someone back there to whom she is not only accountable, but afraid. Very much so. Um, I'm thinking, I mean, uh, she could be come to find out like the, the head of the TVA. I think that would pan out. But like this is very much giving us an allusion to, to Kang. Uh, one of the things I've, I've seen online is people went back through. Because there was a, a line in the first episode uh, that was delivered very specifically. Um, it was like, you know, time works differently here. Yes. Like time works differently in the quantum zone. You know, that's what uh, Ant-Man says. You know, first thing he explains to Cap and Black Widow is like, you know, time works differently. Um, so people went back through and there's an Easter egg uh, where you see a city in the quantum realm. So the TVA might be that city, like that inhabitants in the quantum realm. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's interesting to think that not only is it set up, but it's a, it's an agency that somebody established and probably I'm going to say Kang uh but i don't think we're going to get the big reveal on kang because that's not coming until quantumania but this could totally feed directly into that very easily we've only got two more episodes to go 
And uh, I have to tell you, that was a little bit of a heartbreaker because in, in a lot of ways, uh, this has been, without a doubt, my favorite Marvel show so far. Like, I didn't know that I could love another Marvel show more than I loved WandaVision. WandaVision was just absolute brilliance. But the dynamics on this show are more engaging. And each episode, like, it... I don't know if it is the inherent continuity or the mystery at the heart of it that has captured me more, right? Like with WandaVision, the continuity, you had to pluck the continuity out of WandaVision, right? By design, because you had so, uh, each episode was so distinct, right? You, you were reading a series of love letters written over time. And there were these little story, like moments that kind of carried through each letter, but it was almost like they were written across decades, like a, a time traveler's wife, you know, writing love letters to, or the time traveler writing love letters to his partner, right? Um, you know, or Sylvie writing love letters to her postman. So as we are kind of going through this show, I am more engaged with this one. And even though it, 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 the thing that is most interesting about this though, is that this series, despite having so much to pull from, seems like it is generating less crazy speculation <laughs> than WandaVision did. Uh, I mean, that's because we didn't know what to expect when they came back. Uh like when it, when everything started because this one's all moved up. Uh, I was very into the plan they had. Um, I I know that a lot of it got blown up from COVID, and uh, that reset a lot of things. That that did away with some other projects. That moved a whole bunch of things up, and I think they've recouped very well. But yeah, nobody know nobody knew what was going to happen. Everybody like. You know, is this going to be like Netflix? Is this going to be more like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? And Marvel, like, came out with that, you know, BDE, that big Disney energy, uh, and and really just, you know, knocked it way out the park. I, I still think I like WandaVision more, but that's because I'm a TV junkie. Like, that one hit me right in, in the, the I love Lucy Cupid heart of it all. Um, you know, I went to, to, you know, school for television that way. <clears throat> but I think Loki has a kind of the same premise. This is every aspect of every sci-fi show you've ever really, you know, dug uh, stylistically, you know, it's also got a lot going on with it. We know last time we were talking about we a got lot David of references. We got Blade Runner references, like the uh, yeah, Kubrick references. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, you're getting a lot of stuff. I even saw a great one. Um, somebody put over fight club quotes over the end of, the uh, end of uh, episode three, where they're like watching the thing, and it's like you met me at a strange time. And like, <laughs> you know, like, no, no, this is brilliant because I mean it's the exact same framing. I don't even know if they did that on purpose. Uh, you know, the, the the Zen Buddhist in me is like, I don't care. It just that's what it is now. Yeah, um, you just made me realize that exact same quote could be put over with uh, Jen Erso and uh, um, uh, Galen. Uh, <laughs> I forget his name. Um, standing there watching the Death Star explosion is like, yeah, you met me at a strange time. Did the moment before I die. Uh, uh, so speaking of the postman, uh, one of the going theories 
about the uh, postman was that it was actually um, the one of the references to Stan Lee in. Uh, yes, dude, I I saw this and I loved it because he actually played a postman in a couple different ones. He played a postman in uh, I think one of the Sony Spider-Man pictures, and he played a postman, or no, or, or was it the Fantastic Four? Um, uh, he did one in Fantastic Four, and then he uh, was the, the one for Tony Stank. Yeah, I mean, and I guess this one would have to be the the Tony Stank one. Um, but no, I mean, I, I love that uh, that that could totally, you know, I, I it I don't think it would amount to much in universe, but it's it's a cute little Easter egg, a good little nod, um, especially like since uh, you know that's that's been one of the the fun things to do is work him in, especially you know now posthumously, unfortunately, like. Uh, but having him also be a watcher was a lot of fun. I thought James Gunn was was really neat for that. Started as a fan theory. Yeah. Um, I, there was also some speculation that uh, Stan Lee was one of the featured people in the TVA courtroom back on the mural on the wall. I've seen that actually, uh, and apparently the the mustache, like uh, Mobius's mustache and whole appearance, is uh, referential to um, one of the other editors. Yeah, and it was uh, in the comics, like, was his actual, like, visage. And I, I sat down and did hours of research on this. Uh, and then my cat died and my mom came into town. And it's been a whole thing. Uh, so I just, I haven't had a lot of time to reprocess it. But uh, stylistically, I thought that was really neat. Also, you know, I brought up the lapels on the jacket earlier. F the jacket. Now we've actually gotten a good look at those shirts. It's like a Western shirt with the... Like that that shoulder cut with the collar that fades right into it. Have you noticed that? Yeah. Dude, that is that is some good. Uh, it wouldn't look good on me. I'm kind of a pudgy dude, like that way. Like you know, I have to I have to dress to a lot to things that this doesn't look. I don't think it looks cool, but it has to. It looks good on me type deal. I make those compromises a lot. That there is a uh, a Japanese monk's robe with a southwestern flair because Japanese people love the West. Well, I guess like those kinds of like shoulders. the West America, but like the like the old Wild West. So oh, no, no, no. I guarantee you can find this. Well, no, no. I mean, I've got. I I, I don't look bad in a Western shirt. Uh, I think that particular cut of dress shirt, though, uh, just around the, the 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 torso, is a little more like slim fit and mod. This is this is very much a savage shirt, like with the Oxford buttons, like in the let, let's call it like the Infinity collar or the Mobius collar, right? Like Infinity collar. If you control this collar, you can control the universe. I mean, dude, can you imagine getting like a tie through that thing? Oh, dude, it, it would be, it, it would require Mobius knots. And pause. Oh, so, did you, uh... I, I, so let's go ahead and talk about the final couple things we need to discuss in this episode. Principally, we had a reference to vampires, which could be a Blade reference, because we know that's coming. And uh, did I mention that uh, we get a... Um, uh, obviously, with the timekeepers being robots, everything that we thought we knew about the setup of this whole thing is obviously wildly untrue. All of the TVA employees are variants, uh, and some of them who have been enchanted and had their memories unlocked, including Hunter B-15, right? 
are essentially in a position where they can help. Every single person who's been sick sticked is wherever this trash heap of history is, which means that there is about to be an entire army at Loki's disposal. Yeah, but like, I mean, it, it's the in, it, it's infinity. So how many of them are going to be actually useful? Uh, I, my guess is that uh, it's kind of like space balls. Whenever you get that six stick, like when will then be now? Soon. <laughs> like it's like whenever it hits you, it opens up that time mm-hmm. gate. Like, and I don't know if it's opening it up to different places. Like if he, or it puts that, you right back to where you go. Dude, maybe this is Battle World. Oh, battle world. Oh, don't even say that to me on air. <laughs> Dude, think about it, right? It's this place where all these people are separated out, right? This is probably battle world. And everybody who gets six to, because think about it, right? If it's just like a straight up prison, what happens when you are a TBA guy who gets essentially six sticked into this place and everybody who's been hurt by the TBA sees you show up, right? It's like being a cop or a child molester in prison. And yes, those two things are really related <laughs> like in prison, right? As far as prison goes, like it's just not like both of them are just not pluses for you. Um, the, like I, there's just no good way around that. Right? So my initial thought here is, if it's splitting them out into different categories, right? Like if the six stick, like, I don't know if it's something that's encoded on you or it, the six stick itself can read it and put you where you need to go. It's obviously got a lot of power. It's bigger than one of the, the time door pad things, the time pad, theoretically something like that could be built in where it just kind of scans you and puts you where it wants you to go in case they need to retrieve you later. And it would, I think on a, on a just pragmatic level, it would make, sense to have it send you to the same like send everybody to the same place but again it would be really weird for like all of those loki's to be like right there when when you know our loki prime you know happens to materialize there uh so again it could be a dna thing and send you to a a planet again like a planet of you would be really. I, do, I don't think it's the entire planet dedicated to it. My initial thought. Battle world makes more sense. I'll say that. Like my initial thought on this was that they were waiting for him. They knew this was coming. There was something about the Nexus event. Again, remember that Nexus event at the beginning was something like, did you see how fast that was going up? We didn't know whether or not it was going to hit that red line before they got there. Whatever happened was so powerful that its slope was steeper and bigger than anything we'd seen previously. Yeah, it wasn't like a branch. It was just a straight up, almost like, you know, kind of line out. Yeah. Um, no, and yeah. it happened so fast. Then we didn't see the end result here. So it's possible it crossed that red line. And it's possible that whatever that Nexus event was, it essentially let everyone in the universe know somehow. Right. And that's why those Lokis were waiting for. Him. So I don't know what explanation they're going to come up with as to why they were there. Like, oh, we were just walking and then you appeared. And, ha, ha, ha. We're all Lokis. Right. Could we just hang out <laughs> with Alligator Loki? He's got the best jokes. Right. Well, okay. Here, here's, here's another question. Okay. If that's all predicated on two Lokis being in the same area 
And one of them can be incidentally female and maybe one is incidentally male. Again, I don't think their sexual arrangement would matter. I think it would still be a problem if like it were two dude Lokis and they were about to like, you know, uh, broke back Space Mountain. <laughs> and like, I think it would cause the same, you know, the same drift on that, uh, like on the, the you know, timeline. Um, Space so Man. what's the play... Yeah, what's the play in sending, you know, Loki to a place where the, all these other Loki's like what I is it about these two? I mean, is it really is the universe really that like, you know, it this, this is what I'm getting out of it is like, you know, as as a like, you know, very enthusiastic, you know, self-converted Buddhist like the universe doesn't want you to fuck yourself. That's all I'm getting out of this. Um I'm going to disagree with that completely. I feel like uh, the universe is totally okay with you doing whatever you want to yourself. No, no, no. Like you, not not like literal. I mean, yeah, those two crazy kids go off and you know stroke your egos all you want. But I mean, like in terms of the metaphor, yeah. this is the universe. Don't don't go fuck yourself. Like that's dumb. Well, uh, here's here's the same. Here's the overall premise. The Nexus event wasn't that he fell in love with female Loki. That wasn't the Nexus event. The Nexus event was either Loki being genuinely remorseful in love and like essentially opening up his heart. Like, I hope it's not. <laughs> not being alone. Like, yeah, essentially that, that's it. Because again, they kept hitting that alone thing over and over and over again during the Lady Sif segment, right? Also, uh, one of the things they tell him pretty early on is... Uh don't have physical contact with your variant. Kind of the time cop thing. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of same matter cannot occupy same space. Yay. That, that wasn't that was I, the worst. That was the most Arnold Schwarzenegger Jean-Claude Van Damme. I, I was actually yeah so I was doing that on purpose. You can't do a Jean-Claude Van Damme accent, can you? Um because I can't. I don't even like. Let me see. Uh, me, 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 me do my inner Belgian splits. Uh. <laughs> need to go back and watch Double Team. You remember when uh, Dennis Rodman was in a movie? Uh, he was in. He was in a couple. He's no Wesley Snipes, but he right. did his part. Anyway, uh, so yeah, no, uh, maybe maybe you're right about that. Like that's the that's the the variable here. Because again, you know. I think two dude Lokis would be just as horny or, or two lady Lokis or, or two, whatever Lo Loki, I think is so into himself. And at this point, it's not even like a joke, but it's not even really narcissism, but like, it's the only person who understands yes. my brand. Like the, the often like, you know, you used to make a joke. It's like my brand of crazy has to jive with your brand of crazy. You know, here's another thing. Like, let's be perfectly honest. If you took all those Lokis and put them in one place, it wouldn't be Battle World. It would be Orgy World. Yeah. Like, yeah. And isn't that a place you'd like to get sent to? I mean, it. in theory, yes. Like, if there's anything I've learned from, from like, reading things, is like, there's always a monkey paw to this whole fucking thing. <laughs> Well, that, that is life in and of itself, sir. That is literally every choice you will ever make ever. There is no such thing as an unmonkey pawed choice. Like everything has consequences, even the best possible things. 
Like there is always a trade-off, there is always an opportunity cost, and it is simple fact that you cannot live infinite reality simultaneously. Unless you said you didn't understand Zen. Like we were talking about karma, and you were all like, no, no, no. See, you just explained it perfectly. This guy. I'm not arguing about Buddhism. Moving on. He said, arguing about Buddhism. Well, it is time for us to move on. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have got any of your spectacular fan theories, or if you have any more insight into how Loki just got sent to Battle World, we would love to hear it. And how can they get a hold of his beast? Uh, hit us up at anchor.fm forward slash UFT. Uh, you can send us a message there, or you can even record us a message. We would love to hear it. Um, also, feel free to email us your theory at unified fan theory at gmail.com i got it right this week yeah <laughs> fantastic well don't forget to come join us for unified fan theory next week we'll be covering episode five and deciding whether or not any of our crazy theories or the fan theories that were posited here which may or may not reflect the actual opinions of the hosts the broadcaster or its affiliate producers and partners were true so ladies and gentlemen once again I have been and will continue to be and will quite possibly be in the future in any and all variant timelines. One of your co-hosts, the inimitable Dr. Savage Poppenheimer. We are joined as always by my longtime companda, the hirsute, the unquestionable, the stylishly unwestern <laughs> Spockter Beast McCoy. And of course, we will be joined again in the near future by one of our other special guests who is so special, I cannot name them by name because their name is a killing word. Thanks so much for joining us. Have a great night, and we'll see you soon. No, you're right. Brokeback Space Mountain was pretty good. Brokeback Spa Broke Space Mountain is one of your crowning achievements. Like, Brokeback Space Mountain is your Everest. I'll take it. If you have fan theories, headcanon, or continuity errors you think we need to know about, send them to unifiedfantheory at gmail.com and we'll give you credit and discuss them on air. This episode of Unified Fan Theory was researched and hosted by Dr. Savage Poppenheimer, Spockter Beast McCoy, and Resident Thick Grayson. Produced and edited by The Vaudevillain and Baron Beast Mode. Sound and graphic design by The Vaudevillain. Unified Fan Theory is a production of Hinge Life Pirate Radio. And most importantly, thanks for listening and stay geeky, nerds.